Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. When someone else eats another person's culture's food, it's not considered cultural appropriation. It's considered cultural appreciation. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. I'll make you a deal. You rate and review The Zest right now in your podcast app, and I'll keep a list at thezestpodcast.com of all the great restaurants you're getting ready to hear about in this episode. That's because my guest is the restaurant reviewer behind the website and YouTube channel, Halal Food Guru. I hope you're hungry. For some of us, eating halal food is about discovering our next favorite falafel cart. But for the nearly 2 billion Muslims around the world, halal food is a way of life. Regardless of which camp you fall into, my guest today wants you to have a place at the table. He's Ali Shirali, better known to his online followers as the halal food guru. The Orlando-based blogger and YouTuber chatted with me about which foods qualify as halal, his picks for Florida's best halal restaurants, and how food can help create cultural allies. Assalamu alaikum, my halal foodie friends. This is Halal Food Guru from halalfoodguru.com, your local guide to the halal food scene. What is halal food? So the term halal is actually an Arabic term, which refers to legal or lawful, according to Islamic law. So when you are referring to an act or a, a food as halal, you're referring to it as permissible or allowed. So when, when you're referencing halal for food, it's just referring to food that is permissible for Muslims to eat. There's the opposite as well, which is foods that are not halal or considered haram, which are foods that are not permissible to eat for Muslims. It's according to the Quran and the uh, prophetic traditions. Okay, so can you give me some examples of each? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So examples of foods that are halal, there are foods that are inherently halal, like grains, rice, fruits and vegetables. And then there are foods that can be made halal. Uh, which is what we traditional to refer, traditionally refer to as uh, the meats. So the meats that are prepared uh, need to go through a specific process to become halal. On the opposite side, there's foods that are haram. Uh, so those foods that are inherently haram, according to the Quran and prophetic tradition, are things like pigs, pork, things like alcohol. Uh, and then there are things that can be made haram by mixing foods that are not permissible with foods that are permissible. So say you had, uh, you know, a typical example that we go through as Muslims, whenever we enter a restaurant, we need to uh, make sure that foods are cooked separately. So oils that are used to cook, uh, you know, deep fry, any meats or foods that are not halal, and then they're mixed in with foods that are halal, it would still be considered haram because it's mixed in with something that's not permissible. So that's why uh, this whole industry of halal restaurants exists to create a little bit more certainty for Muslims who are dining 
that their food is being prepared in a way that's permissible for them to eat. Thank you for explaining that. And I should say, I don't want you to feel like you have to be the spokesperson for all Muslims. <laughs> because yeah. yeah, that's not going to be, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'll, do my, I'll do my best to kind of portray what I can from what I know. <laughs> no, this is great. I'm, I'm loving learning this. And it reminds me a little bit of kosher food. Is that a fair yeah. comparison? Uh, a lot of people compare it to kosher based on the fact that it's uh, the same principle from a spiritual perspective that the food has to be prepared according to a religious ritual, but the the way it's prepared is, is different. So that's kind of the, the way the analogy works. Right. Okay. So let's talk about your blog and YouTube channel. When and why did you decide to start an online presence sort of exploring halal food in Florida? The blog actually came from when I grew up. I actually watched my father. We would do a lot of traveling together and he would always reach out to friends and acquaintances in various cities that we were going to. You know, what's the best halal restaurant to go to? Where can we get the best, uh, you know, Middle Eastern food or this type of food or the best Indian food? So he was always using his local contacts to try and find him the best dishes so that way when we went there, we didn't have to worry about experimenting or, or figuring it out for ourselves. So Really, I've been reviewing halal restaurants for about 10 years on different websites, uh, trying to help others who are in the same situation that don't have that local benefit of the, the local uh, insight. That's when it occurred to me that, you know, I'm in Florida. There's a lot of great halal food places that uh, would definitely need a spotlight on them. So I uh, started the blog about four years ago and started, started writing and uh, reviewing different restaurants in the area. The idea was to try and help, you know, visitors and locals alike, you know, find those halal restaurants and make the most of their experience. I love that. You talked about your dad. So what's your family's background and has your have your feelings about halal foods changed as you got older? Because it seems like now, obviously, you're taking a lot of pride in it. Were you always that way? Yeah. So I am born and raised in in North America. I was born in Canada. So, you know, I'm kind of a first generation Muslim here in North America. My parents were born in East Africa. They were born on the island of Zanzibar. So that's where where my family is from. And so we've brought a lot of those cooking traditions with us over. And so that's how I grew up in my household. We grew up with a lot of East African and Indian cooking. So that's the the background that I'm coming from. Um, In terms of, you know, growing up with halal food, we always tried to eat halal from a, a young age as, as it became more available. That's when we were able to get more access to it. So we've always reached out for halal food as, as our main source of nutrition, I guess is to say. In terms of how my feelings have evolved, I think you're right. I think I do take a lot more pride in eating halal and trying to promote halal food because a lot of Muslims don't know about certain areas that, that have halal restaurants and are forced into making other decisions, uh, whether it's to go vegetarian or, or sometimes not being able to eat all that the city has to offer. So definitely using this blog has been an opportunity for me to reach out and make a lot of new friends along the way too. You know, a lot of people reach out to me through emails like you did to find out more and to kind of explore the halal food scene and kind of get my, my recommendations. Okay, let's get into your recommendations. What are some of Florida's best halal restaurants? So most of the halal food restaurants are located where the majority of the Muslim population is. So it's usually located in the large urban centers. 
Uh, there's a lot in uh, Central Florida and Southern Florida. So in Tampa, I'm really liking some of the Middle Eastern restaurants they have there, the Temple Terrace area. Petra comes to mind when I go to Tampa. In Orlando, where I'm based, there's a lot of different uh, halal restaurants here for, for Middle Eastern food. I would go to Jerusalem restaurant or Flame Kebab. There is a, a halal restaurant that pulls on their East African traditions called Omai Gyro. While they serve mostly um, you know, halal cart food, they also pull on their East African traditions to serve up many of the traditional dishes that we grew up in our houses eating. In terms of Indian restaurants, there's, there's several Indian restaurants in the area that, uh, that really kind of do justice. It just depends on your, on your flavor palate and ability to, to handle as much heat as you can. Oh, I can't handle very much heat. I'm kind of a lightweight. What are some of those foods you mentioned that you grew up eating? Like, what's a meal that would remind you of your childhood? Yeah, so um, my mom, when we grew up, uh, she was always cooking, you know, the traditional rice and curry dishes. But uh, in East Africa, we use a lot more of the, the East African flavor profile there. And so we have a lot of cloves and coconut and mango incorporated into our into our dishes. So while they seem kind of Indian on the outside, when you bite into them or take a bite, the, the flavor profile is a little bit different. There's a lot more saffron and, and cloves and, and things like that that are incorporated that are more characteristic of an East African meal. So one dish that I really like to get um, is called kukupaka. It's a Swahili word that literally translates into chicken cat. It's just a kind of a nickname that people call it. It's uh, basically cooked chicken in a coconut curry. And it's got a little bit of sweetness to it, but a little bit of savoriness to it as well. So it's, it's got a, like a thick, creamy coconut sauce that really kind of stands out and coats the whole chicken. So it's really yummy. Oh, anything with coconut. Mm. You said it's called kukupaka? Yeah. If I wanted to get some, where would I go in Florida? Who makes the best kukupaka? Besides probably someone in your family. <laughs> yeah, you got it. I would say go to my mom or my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is a super amazing cook. So I got really lucky when, uh, when I married my wife. And my wife, too. She's a really good, great, great cook. But my mother-in-law really brings back home the, the traditional the traditional taste. So in Orlando, I was mentioning Oh My Gyro. They serve mostly cart food, but uh, they also pull from their East African heritage. So they serve kukupaka on special occasions. Um, they serve a lot of mishkaki, which is grilled meat cubes with that East African flavor profile. So that's something on their menu that they, they traditionally do. So it's very good. So if people want to be sure that their food is halal, and I know that's kind of like, is this a grouper sandwich? Well, I don't know. I have to test the DNA of the fish to find out. But are there yeah. certain questions? Like, how can people know that their food is being prepared in the way they expect? Yeah, so the easiest way to do that is to visit a halal restaurant. The onus is on the owner to ensure all those quality standards are met and all those uh, requirements are met. So that takes a little bit of the responsibility off of you as a Muslim that uh, you enter a restaurant owned by a fellow Muslim that uh, is taking on that responsibility to ensure that they're sourcing their meats from, from halal sources and doing all that. But in terms of, say, fish, yeah, it can be a little bit more challenging that, uh, you know, you have to be a little bit more certain in terms of when you go to the restaurant that you're, you're trying to order things that are in line with the halal tradition. In terms of kind of digging down, it's not incumbent upon, upon a Muslim to dig deep and, you know, go straight to the ingredient list and 
question the owner of the restaurant to the point that they're being too, you know, inquisitive in that sense. But enough that you satisfy your doubt is usually sufficient. So that's what many Muslims do. They go, you know, into those traditional dining restaurants. They do their research in terms of kind of looking at the kitchen or kind of asking specific questions. You know, is your oil used for cooking just French fries or is it used for also cooking the chicken tenders, which may not be halal? So that way, that lets you know some of the things that, that you can do on, a, on an easy basis to, to figure that out. That raises another question. What do you do? I know you said you do a lot of traveling, but what do you do, say, if you're on a road trip? Like, I'm a, vegeta- I'm a vegetarian, and if you're going through a small town that only has fast food, there's, like, not a lot that I can eat. What would you do in that situation? Yeah, so that's a very typical scenario. So you kind of go back to the basics, and uh, you kind of follow the line in terms of, you know, what is inherently halal. So you know that your fruits and vegetables and grains are going to be halal, you know, inherently. So as long as the, the cooking process doesn't uh, involve uh, mixing it with meats or mixing it with bacon or things like that, you should be okay. And that's kind of what, what I do. I try to frequent restaurants that I know that take uh, extra precautions or are more careful about cross-contamination, things like that. And it's always okay to ask whoever's preparing your food to clean the workstation beforehand. Um, so that's kind of what I do on a on a road trip that I don't have access to halal food. That's a good tip. It can be hard to assert yourself, but if the halal food guru gives us permission, then I guess it's okay. How about South Florida? Have you done much traveling around the Miami oh, yes. area? Yeah, yeah. You- there are several halal restaurants in Miami. I haven't done as much reviews there just because I haven't been there as many times, but I know the Shahs of Kebab, they provide good Iranian food there. So they seem to be a good spot to go to. There are several fast food restaurants uh, like Quickies that provide halal meats and halal burgers and Philly cheesesteaks. That's one thing about uh, the Florida area. I've noticed there's a lot of you know halal fast food restaurants. Everyone has their own take on the Philly cheesesteak, which is, is a nice thing to see. So it's very easy to, to get halal fast food in Florida in the major urban centers. Oh, what are some other examples of halal fast food? I may have driven by one and not known. <laughs> yeah. In terms of like halal fast food places, there's several in Orlando. A lot of them are, are centered around the theme parks. So it actually makes it quite easy for uh, Muslims who are visiting the theme parks or anyone who's wanting to visit around the theme parks to gain access to these halal restaurants. Uh, one of my favorite spots near Disney, Disney Springs, is called Slim's Philly Cheesesteak or Philly Steak. And they offer, you know, really good Philly cheesesteak. They have the, you know, the basic burgers and things like that. But their Philly cheesesteak is something that I really enjoy there. Oh, that's really smart to be near the theme parks where people are coming from all over the world. I never really connected those dots. So we talked a lot about the service that you're providing for people who follow the halal guidelines. But then you have people like me who just love to try delicious food. (laughs) (laughs) So what portion of your audience are people who just want to eat kebabs and other foods that they might not get at some of these mainstream restaurants? So the majority of my following is mostly Muslims from across the world and even locals, a lot of locals. But I do have a a sizable portion of non-Muslims that are looking for foods in those traditions. So one thing that some people kind of get confused is that, you know, halal is is a legal definition and can be applied to any food cooking tradition. So 
when you're looking to explore different food cultures, um, you always have the option of finding halal options, especially if they're from a Muslim majority country with that, that ethnic diversity. In terms of, you know, the halal food scene, there's a lot of different ethnic backgrounds. There's, you know, like I was mentioning, Middle Eastern restaurants, Iranian restaurants, um, Indian restaurants, East African restaurants. There's even some Caribbean restaurants in the area um, that are pretty good. But um, you can always explore those those different avenues through halal or even, you know, through not halal options too, because it's based on the ethnic background. That's great. So many places we have left to try. Now, you said you're originally from Canada. What part of Canada are you from? I was born and raised in uh, Toronto. Okay, so that's a very cosmopolitan city. So how do you find Florida's overall halal food scene? I know you mentioned some hot spots in Central Florida and South Florida, but overall, what's your impression of the halal food scene and what would you like to see more of? Yeah, so you're right. I'm definitely spoiled growing up in, in Toronto. I had exposure to a lot of halal food and no matter what uh, day or night where I was in the city, there was always a halal option there. And that's kind of grown over the last you know decade. And then in terms of comparing it to Florida, I think the halal food scene in Florida is still evolving. I think many of the restaurants that opened up were primarily first generation restaurants, you know, family restaurants that opened up and they just adopted their food traditions or their ethnic background to open up that restaurant. So you'll get a lot of the classic, you know, Indian restaurants and Middle Eastern restaurants serving the traditional kebabs and shawarmas. But I think now the newer generation is expecting a little bit more from, from the food scene. And you're starting to see a lot more exploration and more diversity in terms of trying fusion foods. You know, especially over the last five years, I've noticed that, you know, the new food entrepreneurs that are, are coming up and opening up are opening up fusion restaurants and trying to experiment and be a little bit more risky with their, with their offerings. Um, one of the main examples that comes to my mind here in Orlando is the Mexican Camel. It's a Middle Eastern restaurant, but they've fused it with Mexican flavors as well. So it's kind of a, a fusion between Mexican flavors and Middle Eastern flavors. It sounds really odd on paper, but both carry very bold and distinct flavors. So when you mix them, you really get a lot of different flavor combinations that you're not used to. So it's, it's kind of enjoyable to try, you know, a burrito with the traditional, you know, shawarma flavors in it, or trying to get a taco with lamb kafta in it. So it's, it's a little interesting flavor profile. Another example that comes to my mind is the hot crust. It's a, a sandwich panini shop, but they've gone beyond just serving halal foods. They're also catering to you know, other lifestyle choices like gluten-free, things like that. So they're combining those elements. So you can, you can get a, a gluten-free halal burger, for example, which is something that's not readily available. I haven't seen anywhere else. The Mexican camel is going on my list, <laughs> my yes, my bucket list of places to try, because yeah, that sounds absolutely. like a good time. Absolutely. Do you think you could have done this blog 15, 20 years ago? Do you think your father could have done something like this? Not that blogs have been around for that long, but do you think the previous generation could have had some sort of publication like you do that lets people know about halal foods? Or do you think there's been a shift in the acceptance or the openness? I'm not sure. Um, it's, it's kind of a hard question to answer. I don't know if I could have. Um, 
I know that I've been, you know, doing food reviews on, you know, basic websites, you know, like Yelp and Google for a long time. And you just don't get that same level of detail when you're writing a quick review for them. And it kind of gets lost in, in all of the jumble that is there. So I think writing a specific blog about it probably wouldn't have been doable in that sense, maybe 10 years ago. But now you're right, it's becoming more more acceptable. There's a lot more acceptance of the foodie culture, I think, as well. I think people are more accepting of traveling just for food. You know, it's it's not, you know, you go travel for the, you know, for the sites, but now people make dedicated trips just for, for eating at different places. So I think that experiential, that looking for the experience to, to go out and travel just for food, I think is becoming more acceptable. So I think that's where blogs like this and others are filling that void to help people. Oh, for sure. We had uh, Ricky Lee, who does the Tasty oh, Chomps blog. Yeah, yeah you remind me of him yeah. because you're both like an encyclopedia of the Central Florida food scene. <laughs> yeah, he's really amazing. I like him. I haven't met him in person, but uh, he's definitely definitely someone I follow and definitely look up to as uh, as someone to to kind of emulate. Yeah, you guys are like each other's spirit animal, I think. You, you, you said that it's more accepted to to be a foodie and to travel for food, but you're actually focusing on food for Muslim people, which adds kind of another level of difficulty, perhaps. So how have you found that? Are people who are not Muslim open to the idea of you doing this blog? I mean, there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of like racism out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so that, that kind of goes to your question of like, how can we be allies? I, I really like that question. I think the simple answer to that is like, come with an empty stomach and a, an open mind. I think you really, if you do those two things, you're not going to be disappointed. You know, many halal businesses are like, you know, small business owners. They were also hit by the pandemic. And, you know, supporting them is like supporting your community. So it's really kind of merging those two things. And kind of to your point, it's no secret that Muslims have, have had a hard time over the last few decades, and especially over the last couple of years in terms of being accepted and, and remaining accepted and having our voices heard. So I think that that has really played a role in terms of having, you know, blogs like this being accepted. I've never had any, anyone tell me otherwise, you know, thankfully, but I do feel, you know, you know in your day-to-day process, you, you get that, that sense that, you're still an other, you know, those, those community bonds seem to be, you know, not there. I think really the, the most basic element of building bridges between communities is breaking bread. So if you're able to break bread together, you're able to rebuild, you know, really build on those bridges and, and understand each other as human beings. So I think that ability to kind of break bread and experience another person's culture through their food really helps everyone come together. And I think that kind of goes to what you were saying that, you know, we've, you know, as minorities, we experience a lot of, of day-to-day experiences, but the way to kind of go beyond that is through food. You never hear in the news, you know, when someone else eats another person's culture's food, it's, it's not considered cultural appropriation. It's considered cultural appreciation. Beautiful. Well, thank you for what you do. It's really been educational for me, and I have so many places I need to try now. I really appreciate you taking the time. 
That was Ali Shirali, better known as the halal food guru. As promised, we've got a list of all the restaurants he recommended in this episode on our website. That's also where you'll find a link to his family's recipe for cuckoo paka. Just head to thezestpodcast.com. I'm Dalia Colon. I produced The Zest with help from Cheyenne Jaglau and Mark Hayes. Copyright 2021, WUSF Public Media. Thank you.